Welcome everyone to the Mindshift Podcast. This is Paul Elliott from Mindshift Experiences, neurolinguistic programmer, hypnotherapist, firewalk empowerment instructor, motivational speaker, mindfulness sports coach, and general all-round positive thinker. I hope you enjoy. Brought to you today by Peacock's Garage in Renfrew. We've got Rory Murray on the line. Rory, how are you doing? Good to uh, good to have <laughs> you on the Mindshift Experience podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. The uh, the two of uh, us trying to get on this was like a dog fucking a football. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We had some technical issues for anybody out there that's uh, used to using these podcast podcast apps. <laughs> Jeez, oh man, that was becoming a bit of a nightmare. But we finally got there in the end, um, and and just as well we did because. Your story, um, Rory, um, is something that will certainly touch many souls, certainly in this part of the world over here in Scotland um, and um, over there in the US where you're, where you're currently residing. Now, I know um, you're from, from old and I know that um, you're a Glasgow boy and we always start the, the podcast, Rory, just going back to the very start and where you came from. What was all, where, where was it you came from? And, and tell me a wee bit about your upbringing in, in Glasgow. Well, I mean, originally... I uh, I was born in Redlands Hospital in 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, mother was Elizabeth. Father was Joseph. He was a uh, pipe fitter. My mother yeah. worked several, several different jobs. She was yeah. always on the go. Um, moved a lot. We we ended up moving a lot. I don't. It was, I think it's because of my father's job, and uh, mm-hmm. that made things a little bit difficult. You know, I mean, it, was, it seemed to be like every year and a half, yeah. two years. You were moving. We, and I was like starting all over again, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, constant in my life was my brother, mm-hmm. to be honest, because I was a very, uh, <laughs> I was a very introverted soul. I, I didn't talk a whole bunch, and I always felt uncomfortable. I wasn't very good at being a kid. My, uh, mm-hmm. my, my childhood actually kind of fucking sucked, to be honest with you. But not through any fault of, you know, my parents or anything like that. Just because mm-hmm. I was. Not set up to really deal with childhood. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten most of it. I know it sounds terrible, but yeah. I've had a lot of trauma over the years, and because of that, I've, I have very few memories of mm-hmm. being of of your actual upbringing. And you know, that's an interesting, it's an interesting part of your life, isn't it? Because you know, not remembering, um, you know, a lot of your upbringing and stuff. You know, that that's certainly something you don't hear from a lot of people um, when they're discussing, you know, where they're from. Um, normally they can they can pinpoint to, you know, certain parts of their childhood. Is there anything at all that you think of, Rory, if I was to ask you the question, you know, what stood out for you in your childhood? I know you said you were doing a lot moving around, but is there anything sort of pinpoint out that you can say really sort of shaped you as a man um, going forward? Now, we know that you've been a massive success over in the States um, with the WWE. We get that. But what was it? What could you put you Point to anything in your childhood you could think just now, if I was to ask you the question, that sort of a, you know, inspired you to get into the type of role that you you ended up playing. You know what? It was kind of, it was an amalgam of a few different things. To be honest, the one thing was my, and, and it's going to sound really strange, was my inability to be a kid. I, I didn't know how to play. Yeah. I had no idea how to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always felt very self-conscious. I always felt like I was being watched by everybody and yeah. I was making an ass of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, I, I detest being told no. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I 
cannot handle when somebody tells me something cannot be done. Yeah. And, and I think, honestly, to be perfect, I think that's inherently a Scottish thing. Mm. Yeah, when yeah. You, you look back at history in itself, mm. the advances that have been made by the Scots has mm. been mind-blowing. You know, I mean, ultimately, the Scottish built America. You know, in some unfavorable ways, there was the Scottish slavery over here where the Scots yeah. came over as some high clearances. But then you had guys mm-hmm. like Andrew Carnegie mm-hmm. who updated how to make high carbon steel, which built America, you know, wow. then yeah. all the other inventions. Um, I think that's a Scottish thing. I, I mm-hmm. think we fucking hate being told yeah. we can't do something. It's interesting as well. What, what, you're, what you're touching on there, Rory, as well, that, that inability to accept no for an answer. And, and I know that we're going to touch on the wrestling stuff. A lot of the listeners to the Mindshift podcast are going to be extremely interested in that and your story. But, you know, if you were to say, for, perhaps back then, you know, as a child growing up, this is what I want to do as a career, you'd have been laughed at. You know, I, I from personal experience, you know, I, I can, can understand that. If you've got big ambitions um, of the future, sometimes you would just be told, you know, oh, yeah, no problem at all. That, that'll never happen, you know. Can you relate to that? I was... Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I never wanted to be a wrestler growing up. Mm. I, I never did. Um, yeah. I wanted to be something. I was always... My mother, who is the absolute sweetest woman you will ever meet in your life, yeah. she lives in Beath now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, she always told me I was going to be something. She went, I don't know what it was. And she told me a story that I won't really hear. But yeah. she told me, she says, you're going to be something. She's like, I don't know what, why. I don't know how. She says, but you're... Her words were, you're going to be heard all throughout the land. Yeah. And I never understood that. And I was chasing that my whole life. Mm-hmm. I know it was just something stupid. Yeah. It was something I grabbed onto. Yeah. Thought, well, I've got to do something. Yeah, something that's just uh, anchored in your mind and you've just went for. I think when she said it, it must have been during that formative time in my life yeah. where I was looking for something onto. And, you know, I tried music. I've been playing the guitar for, mm-hmm. you know, 35 years now. I've, mm-hmm. I went into fighting. I started boxing. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a whole bunch of stuff was never really there. The wrestling thing was a, uh, that was a fluke, to be honest with you. It, was, yeah. it wasn't something I was, it was something I fell into. Mm-hmm. But just, uh, there was something for me in my mind mm. that my life had to be bigger than what everybody was telling me it had to be. And whenever I said I wanted to be a musician, yeah. whenever I said I wanted to be a pro boxer, mm-hmm. whenever I said I wanted to be a uh, I was laughed at. Yeah, And, and I know there's, many people that are probably listening right now and many kids that you work mm. with that do the same stuff. And it's not because people don't want you to succeed. They don't want you to succeed maybe in an envious kind of way because they don't want to see their own inabilities to be strong mm. enough to go for it. Yeah, yeah. They don't have, they don't I have think, to sacrifice. I, yeah, I think with, as well, Rory, what you're touching on there, you know, if you've got a dream, it's your dream. Um, so, uh you don't need anyone's permission to go after um, what it is you want to go after in your life. And I can totally accept that from you. I think uh, just moving the conversation on to, you know, when you when you decided to leave um, the grey clouds of Glasgow, um, I understand mm. you went to Canada to start with. Um, and and how did that come about? You know, you're going to, you're going to emigrate to Canada. What was that all about? Yeah, I did it in, I did it in six weeks. Um, I made yeah. my mind up and left. Six weeks? I was, what was the conversation? Yeah. Tell me. I'm really interested. So, <laughs> uh, there's a backstory too, yeah. but I'll go to how it actually happened. I was, me and, and, and my brother Paul, um, he'd been watching wrestling his whole life, mm. you know? Uh, 
I kind of picked up on it because we started watching it as a group. We did Friday nights or Saturday nights, I think it was. Mm-hmm. We'd, we'd go to the vodka bar in Kelvin Hall and we'd get yeah. fucked up drunk. Then we'd go back to my buddy Derek's house yeah. and he would put on the wrestling and we'd just sit there drunk and smoke weed and watch wrestling, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I didn't really become a fan of it until about 98, mm. 99. Yeah. Um, just because it was it was a social thing. Yeah. It was where me and my... my See, so you'd be in, just for the listeners, you'd be in your early 20s then, is that right, about that thing? Correct. Yeah, I was about 22. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, and again, I was I was going through this kind of, that time in my life where I was like, this is not me. This cannot be my life. I cannot be sitting here fixing fucking alternators and starter yeah. motors. I've fought my whole life to, to move past mm-hmm. this. And I woke up one day and I went, I'm leaving. And I said to my mother, I called her up and I said, I'm leaving. She said, what the fuck do you mean you're leaving? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go okay, wrestle. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Okay. I don't know where to start. Mm. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know anybody wow. in it. I knew, I knew absolutely nothing. And all I knew was the Hart family, you know, over in Canada, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Smith Hart. And, and guys. these guys, um, the names and stuff you're mentioning there, um, and you knew, the, these, were, these were big players in the wrestling scene. Is that right? Yes, okay. sir. Yeah, they were they're the they're one of the legendary families How that were in the wrestling. Did you know Bret Hart? How did you know this guy? I didn't. You didn't know him at all. I didn't. I just knew his name. My so goodness. I said to my mother, so when I told her and I told my couple of my friends yeah. that I was going to go be arrested, wow. they all made fun of me. Like everybody made fun of me. There was a pull on how long I would last. Yeah. And I think that drove me. So six weeks later I sold everything that I owned. I bought a plane ticket to Canada. Can hell. And I didn't know how to I didn't know how to get into wrestling. Right, okay. So I had no idea. Yeah, you'd, so I some... you'd literally no lead as far as what you were going to do. You just decided, you know what, I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to go to Canada and I'm going to make something myself and become a professional wrestler. Jeez, you know, that's that's literally much, that's literally um, knocking the ball at the park for me from a mindset perspective. Fucking hell, <laughs> you know, you're, you're literally just saying, yeah. I'm doing this. I'm going to fuck what you think. And here I am in Canada. And and oh. how did it go from there when you when you landed and you managed to get yourself somewhere to stay? <laughs> that must be nuts. Uh, the first thing that happened was uh, I did find a wrestling school and it was run by the Hart family. It was run by Smith yeah. Hart, who was uh, Brett's brother. And then it was run by a legend in the business called Waldo Von Erich. Um and I'm, I met my cousin, I met my, my storyline cousin, my best friend, my, my Your signal, heterosexual so, wife sorry partner. To, sorry to interrupt you, I apologise for everybody that's listening just now. The signal um, where Rory is just isn't that great just to the, this pandam, uh, pandemic that we're in with the, with the coronavirus. So you just broke up there slightly and we're really interested to hear what that was. So please go again. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I moved over, I found a school. Yeah. Uh, it was called a Hart Brothers School of Wrestling, mm-hmm. run by Smith Hart yeah. and uh, another guy called Waldo Von Erich, who was a wrestling yeah. legend at the time. He's now passed with Uncle Waldo. And the first day there, I met my storyline cousin, Robbie. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to work. Yeah. I knew it was going to be something yeah. special. He was trying to do a Scottish gimmick anyways, but he was Canadian. He didn't have the accent. Yeah. I'm like, well, fuck. And rather than you try to do a fake Roddy Piper, let's do something that's never been yeah. done. And I convinced him, <laughs> he was in a job, he was making a lot of money. Okay. And uh, I convinced him to leave his job. And he had, he had two kids and a wife, wow. by the way. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I can't promise you anything tomorrow. 
I says, but together we're something unique mm-hmm. and I can promise you something in future we're going to yeah. be something. And <laughs> he's either the dumbest fucker in the world or the smartest <laughs> guy. But he agreed to it. He's like, he's like I'm in. And he was all okay, in, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Uh, the problem was, as I was learning to wrestle, I, I was also... Uh, I was also coming off of drugs. It was one of the other reasons I left. Uh, I left Scotland. Mm. I, I wanted something more in my life. I was miserable, mm. and I had became a very good, the only person that really knew. And she never asked. And she, I think she yeah. suspected. Yeah. She challenged me on it. I lied to her with yeah, my mother. She suspected. Um, I was a very mm. good. I was a very good closet. And do you know what, Rory? Just what you're saying there with drugs and stuff. In my experience. Um, of drugs, it's very easy to get dragged into that uh, cesspit of, you know, accepting that that's, you know, something that, you know, you just do maybe at a weekend. It's completely the wrong thing to be doing, and we both know that, and it's just getting out there that the guy's listening to it. Don't go down that route, whatever you do. Um, and if you ever feel that they need to take drugs or, or go down that route, you need to reach out to someone and get proper advice on it. So it was very easy for you, Rory, um, in respect of, you know, getting into that scene in Glasgow. Um, you know, how deep yeah. does it go to, to say, you know, I need out of here because this is getting too much for me? I would probably be dead mm, in a few years. You know. mm. I, um, I was, I, like I said, my problem was, man, I wasn't looking for help. I didn't want help. Was it, recre- um, I, and I was, yeah, was it recreational, would you say? Did it start off that way? No, no, it was it did. It started off just smoking pot mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and uh, it progressed from there. You know, you, everybody does the whole the acid thing and everything else, and I decided to skip a step. And, you know, I went to cocaine, and I yeah. was doing other stuff, and I was doing up and downers at the same time. Yeah. And, and um, I, it, it just it was it was a way for me to survive the mundane. I, I didn't know how to live my life doing yeah. what I was doing, and it was just very easy. Mm-hmm. I always did it when nobody was there back to my yeah. apartment. You know, I had friends come over to my house and we'd smoke pot, yeah. they'd leave. And then, I brought it for stuff. You're, you're left with your own thoughts and it's like, you know, let's blow my brains out here because you can't deal with reality of what life was back then. I can totally get that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I wasn't, I didn't know how to vocalise or socialise what I was going through at the time. And, and it just yeah. led to everything. And, you know, when I decided to do the wrestling thing, my... Uh, I was on and off about it. Everybody was making fun of me. At the time, I was 140 pounds, skinny kid, shaved head, goatee. Mm-hmm. And when I said I was going to do that, everybody was like, oh, fake stone cold, skinny yeah. stone cold. And, and I, I thought to myself, <laughs> I, I can stay here and, and take this. It's mm-hmm. fine. Glaswegians make fun of Glaswegians, it mm-hmm. happens. But I woke up one day and uh, I just thought of my grandmother. My grandmother was killed when I was oh, 18. Damn, no, that'd have, and, a, uh, that'd have an I impact, just, certainly, in your, um, I mean, your late teens. Um, something as tragic as that happening. Um, and then you talk about, you know, getting into the scene with taking drugs and stuff. You know, things are starting to connect now, aren't they? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And uh, around yeah. about the same time, I was thinking, I wasn't 100% I was going to do it, and I had a dream of my grandmother. Good on you, mate. And I just kind of sort of yeah. cried. I think my old granny's Yeah, my good honour, mate. Yeah. Good honour. So it worked out. It worked out for the best. Mm-hmm. But you know, I uh, I was able to when I started wrestling. I was yep. dealing with that. I was I was coming down on pretty much everything. I was going to wrestle, but it made it easier for me to redirect my focus mm-hmm. because musicians hang out with musicians. 
People that take drugs hang out with yeah. people that take drugs. People that play soccer hang out with people that play soccer. Wrestlers hang out with wrestlers. Yeah. Your whole yeah, yeah, world yeah. changes. Yeah. You're just in it, aren't you? Uh, you eat, and, breathe, sleep it, you know, the whole thing. I, I slept on the yeah, floor of the school. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I slept on the floor of the school. school of hard knocks, quite <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, this was, it was fucking cold too. It was in Canada. Jesus. It was freezing cold. But it was... Uh, it was yeah. it was perfect. I, I needed that. I wanted yeah, yeah. to live that life. I wanted to be, I wanted mm. to be a journeyman. You know, I wanted. There's no failure, and this is a thing that that I try to tell the kids that I talk to these yeah. days, and the people that want me to train mm. them and everything else. You can never fail yeah. when you reach. You know, true failure comes from not even trying. Yeah. If you truly want something in your life, and, and you're scared to fail, just take yeah. the first step. It's okay. all you got to do, man. Take the first step and it'll, it'll figure it out for you. If it's if it's something that you don't truly want, you'll know it soon. If it's just a whim, yeah. you'll figure it out. If this is something that is deeply ingrained yeah. in you, you will it. go yeah. for it. And failure is not... I, would, dude, if I lived in a car for five years, man. And if I had never made it to WWE, if I'd lived in that 1991 Escort for the next 10 fucking years... I still would not have yeah. been a failure because I yeah. lived the life. I gave yeah, it a try. I put everything into it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's that's you know, that's real any, sound advice for anyone listening to this, you know, that wants to go after something, maybe your dreams, and that's what we'd say there later on at the start, you know, which you don't need permission from anyone uh, in respect of your dreams. If you want it, go for it. And if you fail, all right, you failed, but at least you had a can go. Um, and that's what we're getting across there. And I think that's a brilliant piece of advice, Rory. I don't, I've never considered anything in my life a failure. Yeah. I've either won yeah, or I've learned. Right. I win or I learn. Mm-hmm. If I learn from it, then my next venture will be stronger yeah. because of it. If not, then that's where true failure comes from. It's, it's the inability to see what you did wrong at yeah. a given time and yeah. don't learn from it. Yeah, you're Fuck right. That. And fail yourself, you, know? you learn, isn't it? You're, what you're saying, you're absolutely spot on. Um, Hundred percent. So five years um, and a ninety-one escort uh, over there in Canada, um, and was that uh, what was what was the next stage of the journey after that? Then, so yourself, um, you, you you of course had the was the Highlanders uh, tag team was that was that already born then at that stage? Uh, as you've mentioned, yeah, day, day one, one. That it was already there. Um, and and you know yep. you've you've been you've been sleeping on the gym floor. You've been you know we we laughed there about the school of hard knocks quite literally. As I've seen some of your YouTube clips, fucking hell, <laughs> people get <laughs> people getting dived on from like the top ropes is absolutely madness, you know. And I'm thinking a lot of a lot of the no, times it. I want to talk about your training and stuff like that because a lot of the times I've seen some yeah. some real um, good uh, uh, you know documentary stuff about wrestling. And some people think, ah, oh, it's just it's just people playing and it's people jumping off the ropes and kidding on and, and it's fucking hard. <laughs> I mean, people are landing on you like eighteen stone men, are fucking landing on your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't have been easy. I can't <laughs> have been easy. So I'm interested about that. I really want to hear about it. It's um, it's, it's amazing to hear this stuff. You know, the raw stuff and your training and stuff. Geez, oh, that must have been absolutely yeah. torture. Um, learning, learning the ropes, so to speak. It's different now. Nowadays, it's you know, if you're trying to get to WWE, there's a very very professional way to do it. They have the performance center with all this other stuff going on. Um, when I broke Mm -hmm. through back in like 99, 2000, 
um, back then, the people that were already in it, they didn't fucking want you. They didn't want you there. They didn't need you there. So their job ultimately was to try and see how strong okay. your will was. Mm. So my my first my first soiree into the ring, I stepped in against a, a guy who used to be former Secret Service okay. um, wrestling under the name of Lars Phoenix, and his job was to fuck me up. <laughs> and that sounds like absolute hell. It was to about me, by 200. The way. <laughs> that sounds like hell. It was yeah. You had to earn. You had to earn yeah. your stripes, man. Jesus, you had yeah. to earn your stripes. He was about two forty-five, mm. two fifty, about six foot five, and I went in the mm. ring with him, and I held my yeah. own. You know, <laughs> he actually mm-hmm. shot on me, um, and I know wrestling. I know I'd, I'd done some jujitsu at that point. You know, I knew. So I was able to hold my own, and then I get back up. I cracked him in the chest, <laughs> um, and he just looked at me. <laughs> I didn't even yeah. shake him. And he's like, <laughs> you just angled him then. So then. <laughs> I think I I, 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 I amused him. I think I amused him. So then uh, the wrestling went round robin, and they all went round robin with me in the ring and just wore me out until I started Fuck throwing hell, up. Yeah. Um, what age would you have been at this point? Good people. If you don't mind me asking. Fucking 23. hell. 23 year old young man getting absolutely thrown about the ring like so, an empty tracksuit. Uh, geez, oh, I can imagine I can just well, visualize yeah. that happening. But that, but that was what you had to do. You had yeah, to earn okay. a respect. They had their own language, the, the, the language of the carny. They don't, nobody speaks it anymore. Wrestlers have their own language. It's the language of the carny. What's that? What do you um, What's the carny? Talk, talk, talk to me about that. Um, it's just it's, it's a specific way. So wrestling started in the carnivals back in the, the, the early mm. 1900s, you know, the early yeah, yeah. century. Um, and to communicate with each other, with the, we call them, or we did call mm. them the marks, because um, a mark is a mark for money. You want to get money from them. We communicate with each other using oh, carnage. Okay. You know? Um, so it's a different language. We never, it was always kayfabe, which is kayfabe is the word to keep it secret oh, inside okay. the business. Um, and we spoke that to each other. Mm. And the ring, if we were going to call some, somebody else that you didn't want to find. Never knew this thing, existed. This is really calling. interesting. Mm. Yeah, this is the side of the business that it's kind of came mm. out a little bit. But, um, yeah, we had our own language, everything else. So when we would go to mm-hmm. go to the school and they didn't want us to understand, they would start talking carnage so I understood what they were saying. And it's the same thing because my mother and my grandmother used to speak mm-hmm. Arabic to each other. So me and my <laughs> me and my brother never knew what they were saying. So I understood yeah, it. I knew what they were yeah. doing. So you have to gain their respect. Then you have to learn. Yeah. That's yeah, who yeah. your path is. Their job is to get you to wash out. And they never got us to wash out. Other guys came in. There was a guy called Ronnie Arneal, who's now in a wrestling thing called AEW. He wrestles with Sean Spears. We gave him that name, by the way, yeah. 20 years ago. He came in thinking he was a rock, and we mm-hmm. beat his ass. And he stuck around, and now he's still on TV wow. 20 years wow. later, you know. Um, but that was that was how yeah. wrestling worked then. And then it wasn't – there was no performance center. There was a couple of small territories. You had OVW mm-hmm. in Louisville, Kentucky. Um and that was the WWE yeah, training yeah, yeah. center. That's where you go to get TV polish. But we were nowhere near that. So Robbie sold his truck. He had this big uh, Dodge Ram truck. He sold his truck after about six months when we'd learned mm-hmm. the basics of wrestling. And no other way to learn from then yeah. is to go yeah. wrestle. So what Don't most people job. did, because there was no territory, they would work all week. Then on Saturday, Friday night, Saturday, yeah. they'd go wrestle. Well, me and Robbie couldn't do that. I didn't have a right, visa. Okay. 
I didn't have any money. I had no visa. The only way for us to survive was to go on the road. Literally the only way for yeah. me to survive. So we go on the road. We'd wrestle for 20, 30 bucks a night here. That'd pay for gas to Good the next deal. town. We'd drive to the next mm. town. So we went all over Canada, all over the U.S., down into Mexico. And we yeah. didn't make shit. I mean, literally we made enough money to eat. But we slept in the Jesus. car. We ate in yeah. the car. Mm. That was our home. If we go back to the home base in Canada, I was in uh, Brantford, Ontario. We go back to our home base, you know, once a week for a couple of days, pick up a little mm. bit of work here, roofing or something, make some money, then board again. And uh, so we lived, we lived I, the life. I for bet. A I, I, and you know what? I, you know, it sounds to me listening to this, it sounds like King Hell, man. That sounds like real hard graft. I mean, sleeping in a car, wrestling for, you know, as you say, you know, 30 bucks a night, whatever it may be. But is there anything that you look back yeah. on now? Do you miss that? Do you miss the, those days of, you know, um, going around the car, going down to Mexico and into the US and, and travelling about um, doing your stuff? Even it was, though it was, yeah. it was there the greatest you go. time in my life. You know, and that's, was, and that's, a, and, I got sorry, to you go, Rory. You go, sir. Sorry. You go. I got to yeah, be what I wanted yeah. to be. I wanted to be a wrestler. I didn't want to focus on any other aspect of my life. I wanted to forget a lot yeah. of the aspects of my life that I was running from. And the only way for me to do that was to fully immerse myself. But in yeah. doing that, we'd head to the, you know, we'd head out to the East Coast and we'd work with Dr. Tom, who's a legend in the business. We'd head out and work with guys down in Florida. We'd head over, we'd work with guys in California. We'd head over, we'd go to Seattle, we'd go to Vancouver. We'd work with all mm. the big names for training mm. in the industry. You name it. Me and Robbie have spent time with them. I was even training down at, uh, remember Paul no, Bear? Tell me who. I, he was the Undertaker's, he was the Undertaker's guy I used to okay. come out with the urn. So I went down there with Moody and I went down with Moody. I did a yeah. few seminars yeah. down there with Moody. I worked with Moody for a while. I even taught mm-hmm. a couple of classes through yeah. some mutual friends, mm-hmm. Joe Gibson and uh, my buddy Ethan. And so I was working with all these guys. I was, in my mind, yeah. a pro wrestler. There was no doubt. I wasn't trying to be a pro wrestler. I wasn't trying to be somebody I wasn't. I immersed myself in it and I was living it. So if that had finished there, if I had never went any further, I won. The war was mine. The the battle was over. The war was mine. And, you know, it led to some great things. I had to. I had to do that. Mm. I knew no other way. I know there was guys wrestling in Scotland somewhere. I mean, Drew McIntyre, mm-hmm. who just became the, the heavyweight champion mm-hmm. of WWE, a couple of years after I, I was in it, he started wrestling, but he knew everybody there. I didn't yeah. know that scene. I just wanted to fuck away from, from the yeah, bad shit yeah. I was I doing. Think, I think as well, Rory, uh, just in what you touched on there, um, you know that way uh, Mindshift, I do a lot of um, kids coaching and stuff like that, up to, you know, um, under 21 level, um, youth football. Or soccer, yeah. as you guys over in the states would call it, and a lot, of, and and what you've said there really resonates with me and what I tell the young guys as well, is that you said, um, you know, before, you know, you made it big time. You had already made it big time inside your mind. You'd already got there before you were in the stadium, and I'll say to the young guys as well, and anybody listening to this, if you really want something, behave like it before it happens. What I mean is. Breathe like it, sleep like it, you know, live it, sleep it, the whole thing. Because nobody, when you're at a certain age, is going to sit down with a contract on your lap and say, 
Can you sign that to be a pro wrestler now once you hit 18, 20? Or can you be a pro football or soccer player now? There's a contract. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be doing it years in advance and believe it and achieve it. And that's exactly, my friend, what you're explaining there and what you've done with your career, which is bloody inspiring and it's great to listen to. And that's the thing, it was my career. Yes. You know, I... Everybody still comes to me and talks about all oh, this time. I mean, I, I don't remember ninety percent of the WWE shit either. I really don't, man. I spent a lot of time yeah. getting here, <laughs> but I owned every aspect of it. I breathed it yeah. before I lived it, and, and it was mine, and it was always going to be mine. I remember they did WrestleMania in Toronto. It was the uh, I think that was one was The Rock versus uh, Hulk Hogan. In fact, I don't. Mm-hmm. I say it was, and uh, me and Robbie <laughs> had won this radio mm-hmm. competition. And we'd been wrestling at this point for years. We won a radio competition to go backstage and interview the wrestlers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know the wrestlers. <laughs> so we go back. Yeah, and, and you know we're we're basically fucking trying to see if there's any jobs, but there's mm. not. Uh, and it was one guy called Stephen Helms. He wrestled as the Hurricane, and I'm sitting with him, and you know we did the quick interview, mm. and he pulled me aside, and he's like, "Accent's awesome." He's like, "Where are you from?" I'm like, "Well, I'm yeah. from Scotland originally." Believe it or not, guys, I'm from there. I know some of Fergus McCann. But uh, he was like, tell me your story. So I did. And I said, I've been in this car. I've been traveling all over, you know. Uh, my cousin's been mm-hmm. taking care of me. Yeah. You know, I, and he's like, so where are you going to stay here? I said, I'll be honest with you. At this point, man, I'm fucking hungry. Like, I'm mm-hmm. physically hungry. Yeah. I'm tired. I thought about going home. And the best piece of advice he gave to me was he went, listen, man. He's like, he wrestled for 13 years before making on a major wow. TV product. And he said, the job is yours. There is always a job for you at these companies. He said, what happens is 99.9% of people quit before yeah. they get it. Yeah, that's interesting. They just can't take it. He's like, he's like mm. keep grafting, man. He's like, keep doing what you're doing. I know it sucks. I know mm. you're going to be hungry. I know you're going to break your arm and you've got no fucking medical care, which happens four times, by the way. Uh, <laughs> He says, uh, if you keep yeah. going, if you don't stop, one of these guys mm. is going to offer you a job. And that was all I needed at that. It's always been at the perfect time. Somebody has given me perfect mm. information and just good yeah. counsel, yeah. you know? And, uh, that was it. That was, I think that was about five years in, mm-hmm. four years in. And that just gave me the strength to go the rest pushing. of the way. Yeah. And then, and yeah. I ended up working with WWE for years and, so he kicked his ass in a nice way, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thanked him. I thanked him big time and gave him a massive man, hug, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's wonderful to hear that side of your story, Rory. It really is, and very, very inspiring to anyone listening, of course. But, you know, what we'll see um, when we see you guys um, on uh, WWE is, of course, wrestling in front of tens of thousands of people. Um, and... I'm just wondering, you know, when, when did that, that final, that door chat and somebody said, you know, I Rory would like to offer you a job at the WWE. What happened there? I mean, that must have been someday. Um, no, actually, it came from the worst day, believe mm. it or not. So they, we, we started lying to the WWE. Uh, and the first time it was, uh, it was Tom Pritchard, the guy who we trained with yeah. it in Massachusetts and Boston. And we'd call him up because he knew we drove all over and we didn't have a, yeah, yeah. didn't really have a home base. And we'd call him up, and we'd go, hey, 
Doc, listen, man, we're in Houston right now, and I know Raw's going to be here tomorrow. Can you put us on mm. on his uh, extras? And he'd be like, you're in Houston? We'd be like, oh, yeah. We might have <laughs> How far away is that for anybody who's not, not good at the, uh, the geography? I'll never listen to their geography lessons when they should have. How f- uh, <laughs> 15 hour drive. <laughs> Jeez, oh. Okay. Yeah. And he would be like, all right, I'll put you um, on the show. So we'd go there and then you become yeah, called yeah. a job or basically the guys that are on the con mm. just kick the shit out of you. <laughs> then it was one time, I think it was mm-hmm. Tommy Dreamer was the, the head of yeah. talent relations at the time. And we told him we were in Tampa. And we were in fucking Montreal. <laughs> That's a 36-hour drive, by the way. <laughs> and he's like, well, if you're in Tampa. So we drove all the <laughs> way, didn't we? Uh, and we, kept, we did that for about two years. And they would pay you 200 bucks a night, you know? That's and for a me, Robbie, money, that was like when the fucking lottery. Back, Dude, we, there was days where we would go eat in a can of tuna a day mm. each, you know? And then you get like this $200. And we're like, holy shit, yeah. we can go wherever we want. So this went on for about two years. And uh, this guy called Johnny Ace that was there. And after two years, I pulled him aside after I got into a fist fight mm-hmm. with uh, Reigns mm-hmm. and Max Indrake. God bless them. Great guys, but they beat me up a little <laughs> bit too much. Anyways, I said to Johnny Ace, I went, I want a job. I can't mm-hmm. keep doing this, man. I'm like, you keep bringing mm-hmm. I want a job. And he looked at me and says, listen, man, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not very big. He's like, your cousin's doesn't have a real accent. He's like, you guys clean shaven. You look like normal people. He's like, I could take two guys from our developmental system, put them in the ring, tell the people of the Highlanders, and nobody will fucking yeah. care. They won't care. He's like, there's nothing, there's nothing special about it. He's like, yeah, you can wrestle. Right. There's nothing yeah. special. So he told us he would never hire us. And I said to him, well, give one last chance. He's like, yeah, you get one last chance. So me and Rob, me and Rob we drove 10 hours back home. Mm-hmm. We hardly stayed anything. Just outside, uh, just outside of home, I said to him, I'm like, hey, man, we got to do something radical, like really radical. I says, you know, nobody at that time, this was mm-hmm. 2002, mm-hmm. I think, 2004, mm-hmm. I can't even remember, man. Nobody had big fucking bushy beards <laughs> in wrestling. Nobody, not even on TV. Ten <laughs> straps and 14 yeah, yeah. beards, you know what I mean? So I says to nobody, we got to become yeah, fucking yeah. mountain men. Like, we got to show up there looking like fucking animals. <laughs> um, uh. So we both start growing these big beers. My buddy JJ Confaloni, his mom made our gimmicks. Yeah. She made the fur yeah, things and the kilts look and stuff. Awesome. And I, yeah, we, we actually, they cost Is $8 right? each. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we, we didn't know money. So I said to Robbie, when we go there, when we walked into WWE, this is how we walk in. We walk in yeah. like fucking animals, you know? And he's like, dude, security's going to throw us out. I went, I don't care. This is our last yeah, chance. We've got to try something different. So we fucking, we walk in there three months, four months later. Steroided our brains, yeah. by the way. Um, oh, fuck yeah. Uh, the kilts yeah. on, the fur on the boots, the big fur throws, the big beards. And yeah. uh, Johnny Ace walked past and he stopped and he turned and he gave us a huge frown. And I went, oh, yeah. this is where we get kicked out. And he's, he's like, Corey? And I went, yes, sir. He's like, stay right fucking there. Don't move. Uh, good. <laughs> Me and Robbie, we, we both puckered up. And he, went, he literally ran away. And I thought, here comes security. He came running back five yeah. minutes later with Vince. And Vince looked at us and he went, did you show up to my building mm-hmm. looking like that? And I said, 
Yes, sir. He went, that is the best shameless fucking self-promotion <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. He's like, and, I'm actually tonight. Yeah, you're going to fight... Uh, before. He, was the, he was the owner, uh, Vince. Um, just for, I, I'm aware, um, but just for people who are not aware um, so much about the wrestling scene and stuff, just explain the, the, the sort of vastness Sorry, of his yeah. profile. Vince McMahon is the owner, operator of... Uh, he is the only voice in uh, WWE. Yeah. Or WWE. Oh. But um, he did nothing. He is the yeah. owner. He started it when he was doing shows with 500 people to doing Ford Field in front of, you know, nearly 100,000. He is the only voice that makes yeah, yeah. any difference at all. Nothing happens mm. with him to say so. So he put us in a match that night against uh, The Miz yeah. and Matt Capitelli. God bless him, God rest. And uh, Robbie looked at me and says, what did we do? I says, well, we're dressed up like cavemen. We've got to believe the gimmick. I'm like, let's kick yeah. the fuck out of him. And he's like, we're going to get in trouble. I went, oh, we're going to get hired. It's 50-50. Let's just beat okay. the fuck out of them. <laughs> so I think, I, think the, I think they still have the pictures on WWE.com and we beat the living <laughs> shit out of both of them. And uh, nobody said anything to us. Nothing was said. We just, we left without anybody shaking our hand or anything. Brilliant. And we drove home. And two days later, I'm standing on a roof and I get a phone call saying, hey, your contract's wow. ready for WWE. Wow, that's amazing stuff, man. And I was like... That's amazing stuff. I'm, I'm pissing myself <laughs> laughing here to some of the stories, but, I, oh, man, that sounds, that sounds crazy stuff, crazy <laughs> stuff and some of the people that you've met along the way. You touched there on the, the steroid side of things, um, and that interests me as well. Um, mm. I mean, was that something that you felt that you had to get into um, taking steroids just with the... I, 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 I just look at some of the wrestlers and I see how jacked they are. And I'm like, fuck. You know, I, how can you get arms that fucking big? I've been training arms now for the last 25 years. And I'm still like fucking, you know, you see my photographs on Facebook, you know, they're still like noodles uh, or <laughs> spaghetti, you know? You know what I'm saying, man? So so if I just yeah. inject some steroids no, in my arm, sound eh? it'll, it'll grow. Uh, here's here, here in life issue with that. So yeah. these days, today, they are very closely right, monitored. Okay. Very closely monitored. Um, they uh, they have a wellness mm. program there, which is very strict. It's almost as strict yeah. as the Olympics. Um, back when I was trying to get into it, back when I was trying to get into it, I, I had no. There was no monitoring. There was no anything else. So ultimately. You were you could do what you want. I mean, I was an independent guy. By independent, you are your yeah. own employer. Even in WWE, you're not hired by WWE. Mm -hmm. You are so, yeah, so an independent contractor. Yeah, you own yourself. And you know, so I was. Yeah, I thought I was looking at for my business. I'm 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 five foot eleven. I used to be six foot, but. After the knee injuries, the back <laughs> injuries, I shrunk. Uh, <laughs> Would you think, though, if I was to put, yeah, was to, put to you, though, Rory, um, in respect of you know the sort of pressure that would be on your shoulders um, to do um, performance-enhancing drugs? Would you would you think that you know it, it was something that was sort of pressured on you? If you want to get into that that sort of business, there's a look that you've got to sort of look a certain way. You've got to look that Jack look, um, sort of real real um, muscle bound. Would that would, would, was, would you feel that you had to yeah. do that? In order to, to really break in and make it, is the question that I'm asking. Okay. I did. I did, but nobody put that pressure on me but me. Um, and I will tell you that nobody, when you start taking steroids and, you know, you're a wrestler, there's, there's nobody to yeah. monitor you. 
Now, steroids themselves have got many, many benefits. I think personally, most wrestlers should be on a very small amount of steroids that aid in regeneration. What we do, we do four or five nights a week, and it's the equivalent of being in a small to severe car wreck every single night. So you're constantly getting broken. Your body will break down on you. If you ever see old wrestlers, they're fucked up. But as a young guy trying to put on size, nobody told me that I would get the same gain taking this amount Mm -hmm. than taking that amount. And I was taking copious amounts of it, thinking it was going to make me better. It wasn't. What it did do is it fucked up my brain probably for the rest of my life. (laughs) Made me very paranoid. Last night, I was laying in bed and I sat right up with a massive So So let's... let's, I mean, just what you're saying there, I'm sorry to jump in, but I think it's an important thing to mention at this point. Anybody listening that thinks it's a good idea to start pumping yourself full of steroids, listen to what Rory is saying now, guys. You know, he's, you know, how many years later are we talking and you're still having the after effects of taking it? You know, 17 years. 17 years. 17 years. years you know, come on. Um, please carry on. Sorry to interrupt you there. Problem. I it was important to mention. The other problem you have with that, it's not just the psychological yeah. part, it's the physical part because you put on mass yeah. amounts of muscle, but your joints and your tendons are not designed at that mm. point. It's not a gradual thing. You just yeah. start building fast. And I built so fast that my, my tendons, my joints couldn't take it. So now I've got problems with my knees, I've got oh, problems okay. with my ankles, my hips. Do You have some people say it's got nothing to do with it. I completely disagree. I, I put on so much weight that my body was not set to take it. And it fucked well, up. and it, it had some serious yeah. and we we'll, and we'll go uh, on to that as, as certainly as we get through. Um, the the question I have for you before we move on is: I want to know what is your ultimate? What was the ultimate high of your career within the WWE that you can point to now? That you can look. Oh, there's probably oh, lots, buddy. There is probably lots, but some of the stuff I've no, looked at on online, and I'm like, shit. You know, look what he's look what he's created is in front of tens and thousands of people. It's just it's just so great to see. But what would you say that yours? The, the ones online, the ones online were all right. There's there's mm-hmm. one moment in time that stands out and always will. I think it'll be yeah. one of my last thoughts before I leave this mortal coil. Um, my very first overseas mm-hmm. tour was in Scotland. I hadn't been back home in mm-hmm. seven eight years. Yeah. Well, wait now six years. Back home in six years. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was training in the school, I would jump on their computer and I'd put on you know, the old school messenger thing. And people making fun of me, calling me a fucking idiot. I was wasting my time. All these haters, you know what I mean? Just for the sake of hating, for nothing else. Other How than did that affect you? Dicks. And I, I, oh, dude, it, yeah, it drove me good, harder good. and harder and fucking Use harder. that hate. Use that hate. I want to hear that. I just mm. I didn't need it, man. Yeah, good. But I wanted it. So I did my first overseas yeah. tour. Mm. It was in Glasgow. And I show up there. It's me, my cousin, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Rogan. and Ric Flair. The only time Ric Flair ever killed, by the way. So, he won yeah. my kill that night. Where about um, was it? And it was us against was the Spurs. In, in Glasgow, can you remember? Fuck. <laughs> What's that arena called, for Christ's sake? Uh, yeah. It wasn't the SECC. It was the other one. Uh, shit. Don't worry, it's a big arena anyway. I'd know. If... It was big. Uh, there was about 20,000 there. And Roddy Piper comes out. My, God bless him. My, 
probably the greatest person I ever met. He came out and he did this whole spiel and he introduced me and Robbie to the crowd and the crowd went That's fucking crazy. nuts. Yeah. Went nuts. And rather than come through the curtain, I stuck, I stuck this big salt tire through the curtain and the crowd <laughs> went crazy. And it wasn't like a regular wrestling crowd. You know what I mean? Usually your wrestling crowd is a lot of kids and it's kind of high-pitched thing. When I stuck mad. that salt tire through, it was yeah, like a fucking was warrior a call. Place for that shit. It was just yeah. wow. And we, we, we came out and I walked to the yeah. ring and the pictures are still on WWE.com. I jump up into the ring and I don't know what it was, but it's my first time in six years. I, I couldn't yeah. control I just started crying. Yeah. Like just bawling my eyes out. And Roddy comes up and he pats me in the ass. He's like, just he's like, breathe yeah. it in, man. Yeah. Enjoy it and breathe it in. And this kid threw salt tire, like a small salt tire at me. And I kind of wiped my face and I, I lifted it up. Mm. And as I lifted it up, I looked down. And I looked right in the mm. second row center. And there was six people in that row. And the sign said, hey, Russ, remember us. Now, nobody's oh, called me Russ yeah. in six years. You know what I mean? So I said, hey, Russ, remember us. And I fucking, mm. I looked down. And it was six of the sons of bitches that made fun of me the most on Messenger. It was the six of the guys yeah. that made my life a living hell for six weeks before I left Scotland. And it was the same six guys that just spent 200 fucking pounds yeah. to watch me, mm. to look at me. And they're sitting right there staring at me with their thumbs up clapping like I'm their buddy, I'm their fucking pal. And I looked at Jimmy Noon, the head of security. And I went, Jimmy, mm. get him the fuck out of my arena. I sent them on a merry way and we went through and had the match of the night. The crowd went crazy. I went backstage. Hunter, Triple H, Michaels, Flair, they all go back through. They all give me a huge mm-hmm. hug. They thank me for the house and they all signed yeah. stuff for my, mm-hmm. for Campbell and his kid. Yeah. And that was the greatest moment of my life. Now that part, I after yeah. those guys, the haters, I could have just let yeah. them go and been done with it. But they needed a little mm-hmm. bit of what they gave yeah. me, you know? So, and it's but nice. just being back home, it's, and yeah, and it's Scottish it's nice to, yeah, definitely, buddy. Yeah. And it's nice that you've mentioned uh, Paul Campbell on the podcast today as well. A guy who who still stays in Glasgow, um, is a real supporter of yourself, um, emotionally. Um, on oh, I see it on social media, yeah. you know, always there for you, as, as a lot of guys are, mate. Um, Irrespective of whether you're famous or not, to be honest, I don't give a fuck. I ain't getting a nice man, you know. And it's it's nice to see you've still got you know a lot of heart in Scotland, um, and and that you've agreed to come on this today um, because you know it's nice that people in Scotland will get to really know the real you. Um, and nobody, yeah. I haven't spoken about any of this shit to yeah. anybody. Everybody always asks me interviews. Who was your best match? What would you change? Yeah, hey, these we'll, new guys, yeah, it's always yeah, the same shit. Yeah, let's get into the, the nitty gritty of it, you know. Yeah. Um, so you, 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 um, yeah, for sure. of course, with the wrestling stuff and the fantastic career that you had, you some of the names you were dropping in there, Jesus, like Triple H and all that. I remember that growing up, man. These guys were were uh, worldwide superstars, as was yourself. <laughs> you know, you you achieved mm-hmm. ultimate greatness in your field. Um, and that has to be applauded. Um, so before we go any further, I want to thank you for sharing that because that was really inspiring for anybody who wants to go after any dreams that they've got in life. Go for it. Um, moving on to the, the sort of next stage of uh, the, uh, you know, hanging hanging up um, your, uh, your kilt, so to speak, uh, in the ring. Uh, <laughs> let's hope you were wearing boxer shorts when you hung it up, my friend. What you being commando? <laughs> Only one time I did. <laughs> Only one time I did. 
Flint must have been arrested too. You're nuts, man. You're nuts. I can imagine that one. Get that thought out of my head, though, before I go any further. Is that well, okay? <laughs> I've got a picture just now that I don't want. Um, but <laughs> yeah, listen, mate, no, brilliant story. Um, moving on, though, to, you know, um, when the, the wrestling, um, of course, came to an end. Um, because all good things, of course, must come to an end at some point. What goes up must come down, as they say. And uh, I'm imagining, I'm just thinking along, you know, I'm putting myself in your shoes. Um, if I had been in such the spotlight and had such a glorious career um, doing that and then not having it, there would be a bit of a void. Um, I don't know, would that have been, or would you Would you agree, or would you think that that would maybe apply to you? Uh, it was the four, five darkest yeah. years of my entire life. Mm. Um, I, Rob, our time in WWE was over. I mean, my cousin, he was having real, yeah. he had a son that was having a lot of problems and he wanted to go. He was done. He wanted to go home and they wouldn't let us. They had us doing Raw, SmackDown, ECW, overseas tours. They had us doing all that stuff. We were on the Jesus. road 330 days a year. And he wanted to go. I had just, uh, Show the go home show before Royal Rumble. I blew out my shoulder and complete tear my pec mm -hmm. muscle working with a guy called Finley. Mm -hmm. And my son was born. I had surgery in February 1st, 2008. Mm -hmm. and my, my son was born on February 4th. And my, my biological father was we never bonded, we never connected. Um, it was not. A relationship that there was nothing bad there. I don't want mm. to be detrimental to Joe Murray. I don't. Um, he he just he was. I don't think he was ready for two yeah. kids at that point in his life. Um, so ultimately, I felt I was raised without a yeah. father until my stepdad showed up. Um, and Ian Holdsworth is probably the greatest mm. human being I've ever met in my life. Uh, he raised three mm. kids, none of them his own, yeah. but were were his kids. I'm, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. Um, but my son was born, and I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want my son to feel like I wasn't there. And mm -hmm. I remember talking to Flair one night. Just mm -hmm. we were just bullshitting. He was sitting in the stands, and he asked me about. And he's like, "So how far on mm -hmm. is she?" I said, "Well, fuck, she's you know, she's seven mm -hmm. months now, five months, whatever it was." And uh, he says, it's a beautiful thing, man. I mm -hmm. said, yeah, it must have been really cool for your mm -hmm. kids. You know, their daddy's Ric Flair. And he's like, oh, I think it was hard yeah. for them because I was gone all the time. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's a rough life for a parent. And, uh, it got me to thinking. And then right before WrestleMania in 2008 mm -hmm. in Florida, we were heading in to uh, Tampa. We're seeing where Disney is, mm -hmm. sort of in there. Orlando, sorry. And uh, Vince had this big talk with us, and they told everybody, don't go to the competitor show, TNA. It was mm -hmm. at the time, Impact Vessel. Mm -hmm. He said, don't go there. And Robbie told me he was going to go. And he said, and he was going to sit where he wanted to sit. And I'm like, you're going to get fired? And he's like, he just mm -hmm. kind of nodded his head and took off. I got a phone call mm -hmm. three hours later from the bosses, but your fucking cousin has just showed up on TV. We're fucking pissed. We can't even fire him right now because you're injured. We don't know mm -hmm. what to do, but we're fucking yeah. pissed. They sent him home. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted. I mean, so contrary to internet bullshit, so that he wanted to be, mm -hmm. to be gone. He wanted to be with his son. So 
I'm rehabbing here. I'm working with the guys okay. from the Cincinnati Reds baseball team, mm-hmm. getting stronger, getting better. Um, and they called me. We did. We actually, and they said, "Hey, we want you to. Yeah. You've been cleared. Yeah. You're ready to wrestle. We want you to do a show." So I went, and I go into my son's bedroom, and uh, I, yeah. you know, Gina had went back to work. So it'd be me and the boy. Pretty much, I did all the midnight feedings, the diaper changes. Mm. It was me and my boy, you know, for nine months. And I went to say goodbye and just mm. get my chest, and I just broke. I just emotionally broke, and all the way to the airport, just all fucked. the way to Richmond, yeah, Virginia. Just fucked, yeah. I'm just crying. I didn't. Yeah, every time I'm mm. standing in the door, I don't think about. All I'm thinking about is the crowd. But at this point, yeah. I'm in gorilla position, and I, I don't care. I don't want to be there. So we did the show, came back. And I flew back home. I got a phone call four days later from Johnny Ace. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, we're letting go of your cousin. Where, where are you standing right now? So I'm done. I, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'm done. I don't want to. I don't want to stay. With well, this whole thing together, I just want to be a daddy. He said, cool. Yeah. That was the end of the Highlanders in WWE. Um, and I thought it was, a, it was the right move, yeah. man, to be with my family. But when I left... All the stuff I ran away from Fucking hell. 10 years before, 11 years mm. before, all the stuff, it, it just came, you know what I mean? It all came back at the same time. It hit me like a mm. fucking wall yeah. yeah, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I'd always heard that a fighter dies twice because I didn't used to wrestling. Mm. I'd done a lot of shoot fighting and I'd done boxing and everything else. A fighter dies twice. Once at the end of his career mm. and then once when his heart stops. And when my career there was over, I mourned it like mm-hmm. the death of my best friend. Like I didn't know how to live because I'd spent so many, t- mm-hmm. so many years being Rory. Yeah. Yeah, I can get like, that. Rory had an identity. Rory, Rory he had a purpose. Mm-hmm. He had function. Mm-hmm. What the fuck am I now? And I went from making all that WWE yeah, money to yeah. no income at all. It must have been so tough, mate. must have been there so tough, no Rory. Um, yeah, I had no doubt, and I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my son, and I'm, I'm looking at his mother, and I just, I didn't even know what I was looking at. I lost them, but I, in my head, I lost them. And I didn't see an out. Every day yeah. was just dark. That was mm. meaningless, and it was selfish of me, dude. It was just a fucking mm. career. It was just a job, but yeah. it meant more to me than anything else. And at that point in my Life. My brain was so fucked up, it meant more to me than them, and I just wow. did not know how to turn that around. I know thought to turn that around. What do you mean, end it? You know, I, 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 I didn't want to live no more. And there was, it was not long after yeah. one of my friends had committed suicide. I read his mm-hmm. suicide note, yeah. and it made sense to me. I'm, I understand that. I'm like, mm. fuck, he's right. Who the fuck should tell him he's, he's got to keep living? It's, yeah. uh, so hard it just makes sense to me. And I'm like, so hard to hear you say that. Got it. And I, mm. they're just, I didn't see an out. Yeah. I, I couldn't handle it, man. I'd sit up in bed at night when, or I'd sit downstairs when they're sleeping and I would fucking just walk back and forward. Not because of wrestling, but because I couldn't deal with the fact that now I'm having to deal with the shit I left a decade before. And I'd never, I'd never learned coping skills. Yeah. And this is where therapists come in. Mm-hmm. I'd never learned coping skills. I'd never learned how to deal yeah. with it or even accept it. And I'd never met anybody that had been through it to tell me, you need to mm-hmm. go see somebody. Okay. You need help. You're sick. I just thought I was being mm-hmm. a selfish prick. You know what I mean? 
because it's all I could think about is I'm a selfish motherfucker. I'm putting this in front of my family. But then I kept going. It was cyclical. It kept coming back and it kept coming back. And I don't know who I am. I don't know how to deal with this shit. How do I deal with stuff in Scotland? That was fucking a continent and a decade ago. So I thought, fuck it. This is it. I'm done. I walked upstairs. I unlocked my, my gun cabinet and I grabbed my Ruger SR9 and I put one round in it. And I walked downstairs <laughs> like nothing was yeah. happening, Paul. Like it was like it was just the right thing to do. Oh, cool. This is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. So I grabbed my fucking pistol. I walked downstairs. I walked past my past my girl and my son. And I go to walk into the garage mm. and I drop the pistol. I don't know how I did it, but I fucking mm. dropped it. And the way it fell, the way it fell, oh, it was aiming know. right at my son. And if that if you've worked with pistols before, yeah. if that had a went off, he's mm. and I froze and I thought, holy fuck, how would I be able oh, to live yeah. my life without my son? Yeah. And it's the guy, this is the guy that's talking. I was just, I, I was 10 steps mm. from blowing my fucking yep. head off. I'd set up a table and everything. And I'm asking myself, Aye. how so can I live without my son? Well, you motherfucker, how can, how can yeah, my son live right, without man. me? I'm so. I'm so fucking thankful that? that you know that you, you that that wasn't a reality, you know, that that never happened, and thank God it never happened, um, because the world needs to hear stories like this, buddy, um, yeah. because you know that I'm extremely passionate about only mental health issues, but you know you suffer mental health, and people are struggling. Life is hard. Life can be shit. You know, you know, I do this neurolinguistic program, and sometimes it's yeah. a, it's almost like living the life of the happy clapping. Life is not like that. We don't all have daisy chains skipping through the fucking right. fields. Life can be shit, you know. And what you're saying right. there regarding your your uh, planned suicide and fucking hell, that's real. That's, you know, this is the first time you've ever opened up and spoke about this publicly. Um, and you know what? It's fucking therapy doing that yeah. as well, bro getting that off your chest and speaking about it. It's, it's mm. painful, man, you know, because everybody thinks you go through and, dude, everybody yeah. wants a fucking Rory story, you know what I mean? Like, even when I see nowadays, because I'm very, I can tell, I can spin a good yarn, man. If that's the Scottish in me. Hold on a second. Yeah. Okay, bye. Yeah, no, no, it's absolutely fine. As you, as you see, this is real life. People come in and out rooms. <laughs> uh, but no, listen, I can understand what you're saying about people wanting to grab one of your balls, mate, because of the WWE thing. And you know what? I work in a great... It's unique, but more than that, more than the WWE thing, the story and the stuff that we're interested here and what we're all about is mindfulness and helping others. If you can help one person, just one there, one person that's listened to this that maybe thinks it's an idea to take their own life, please think again. There's no... I, I, dude, I personally don't think that yeah. anybody should tell you how long you live for. I don't. If you're in, you know... But what you should do is go yeah. freaking talk to somebody, man. Go talk. Get your therapy. There's somebody that's dealt with what you've dealt with. There's always somebody that's been where you've yeah. been, and they can help you, man. They can help you. You know, I'm not saying well, they tell, have them tell you what to do. That's not what these people do. They don't it's say, an, hey, well, yeah, you're right or you're wrong. It, really? It's not about right or wrong. But 
It's just somebody that sits there with no bias whatsoever. And more often than not, you will come to find it by using your own words. You'll find the real truth. Mm -hmm. It's okay to hurt, man. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel pain. It is okay. I I hate it when people say, you know, you break up with girls, more Mm -hmm. fish in the sea. Well, fuck it. I wanted that one. We'll get over that one and there's no fish to see. But that's that's it's not the point to tell people you'll find somebody else. You don't you're not thinking about that. You gotta focus on where you're at. If you are hurting, if you're in despair, if you're shit, I don't care if somebody wants to get yeah. hit me up on messenger, talk to yeah. me, man. I've done it many, many times. Yeah. I've had people hit me up and tell me how they're depressed and everything yeah. else. I will talk to you for an hour. I don't give a yeah. shit, but there's people that can help you don't think that the solution Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, that. guys like it's us not. that have um come through um come through a suicide attempt myself and also your your suicidal uh, plan or suicide plan that you had. And it's guys like us and other people out there that you know you can reach out to and that have an understanding ear that will listen to you. And not judge you. I will not judge anybody and guys like you, we don't judge anybody. Guys have used drugs. Uh, drinking, we've all, I've done it, we'll hold our hand up, we've done it, but listen, we're not here to judge, we're here to listen, so at the very end of this podcast, um, when we're wrapping up, we have the opportunity to share some of your details on how people can get in contact with you, if you don't mind, Rory, I'd really appreciate you doing that, so. So, moving on, after um, the, the, and thank goodness that didn't happen that night with the the gun um, in the round. You know, um, was there was there more pain to follow after that? Because I, I know certainly from my experience of dealing with mental health problems, you know, it's not something that you can wrap up overnight and your life's all tied up. It's bullshit. It doesn't happen that way. Um, you're talking about years down no. the line. Was there other instances or what can you really focus a point to just now that was sort of defining for you? Defining for me was, well... I don't know if I'd use the word defining. For me, it was about finding. When I left WWE and I was struggling with everything, my one big thing was to increase or maintain my standard of living. I didn't want to fall behind. I'd been that guy. That guy had existed. That guy's still here. I'm fucking Rory, whether anybody likes it or not. You know, I found myself by being him. But my one fear was losing my standard of living, losing my next house, losing Mm -hmm. my trucks, my car, motorcycles, my property, not being able to run my Mm -hmm. pool. All this shit was all about my standard of living. It terrified me to lose it. But in worrying about everything that I was trying Mm -hmm. to maintain as a standard of living, I completely negated and Mm -hmm. forgot about the standard of my life. I could believe anybody with anything. And I've put a thing up as a guy called Goar Gopal Das. He's a yogi who I am besotted mm-hmm. with. He has taught me a lot. Um, the standard of life is not in mm. things. It's not in teams. Absolutely. It's not in sponsors or trucks. It's in deep, absolute bondings of love. And there are people Absolutely. that love you, man. No matter who you are, no matter how you think, absolutely, you're there to love. Totally right. And I had to reach myself to forget about the fact. Fuck! I mean, dude, I love my truck. Mm. I love my Mustang. I love my van. I love my I love my motorcycles. Mm-hmm. But if they went tomorrow, and I was left in a nice padded cardboard box, mm-hmm. and I had my children and my women, 
my yeah, standard of life did not right. change. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that everything that we've dealt with, the cycle of my life and the cycle of her life, mm-hmm. the cycle of my kids' lives and yeah. the pain and the trauma we've dealt with, what I've mm-hmm. stowed on it at some point, we're, we're there, mm-hmm. man. My standard of life did not change. And yeah. that's what yeah. I've seen, man. You know, I don't, I like where I have. Mm-hmm. I have what I have. I worked hard for it, you know. And I, I think meaningless. Yeah, I, I totally it's agree. I don't know, Rory, if it's um, as the years go on, um, the the older mm-hmm. I get, and um, the less material goods mean. Um, in fact, like you say, they mean nothing. The most important thing in life is the the, the good positive emotions that we we share with our loved ones, family, and um, close friends. Um, time is is everything. Um, so, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the older you go, the more you see it disappear, yeah, man. This yeah. is finite, bro. This is that's never. The yeah, final bell is yeah. going to toll on everybody. The man's yeah. coming to get you, you know? And the older you get, you see it happen. You start to lose your friends, you know? I, I just, I just, I've lost many, many, many friends in wrestling, unfortunately. Yeah. Some of them in horrible ways, some of them through drugs. And I thank the Lord every day yeah. that mm-hmm. I'm still here, you know? Thank the Lord every day that my son at 12 years old does not care how many of his friends are around about him. He'll yeah. come up and give me a hug and tell me he loves me. You know? That's, yeah. That is what matters, man. And everybody has that. Even people who think they don't, I promise you, it's there. And it, 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 just yeah, ask absolutely for something. Agree. Absolutely agree. You know? And uh, just uh, on, you know, I've got, I was sorry, that was pretty deep in listening to that there. That, it really does. I think no matter how many times you, and, and certainly I do a lot of work um, and talk to people and stuff, no matter how many times you hear these types of things, it has an effect on you. Um, so, but thank you very much for sharing that. Um, that was, that was a, a, I would hope, um, a real reminder to people out there um, that are listening to the podcast that, you know, time is our everything. And uh, listening to your stories regarding, you know, how you've made it. Um, we're all human um, and we can all fall. We can all make mistakes, some fucking big mistakes. And trust me, we probably, both of us, over the test of time, have made enough mistakes for uh, everyone in Glasgow and the surrounding area put together. And we probably made that many uh, between both of us. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't change something. Of course I would go back and change some fucking things that I'd done that was wrong. But I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be defined by my past. I'm going to say, right, okay, I'm present now. Rory's present right. now. Rory's going to look to the future now. And if you ask Rory the question now, what would he say? And of course, every day is when you're in the mental health battle and being aware and mindful of it, would you say that you know, any tools that you've used or put in place in order to get you to where you are today and in and, and respect of your mental health journey and your battle with what you've been through in your past? Because I don't think, I, I, because I don't think any of us are going I to be think, cured of this stuff, you know. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, however, no, I, I, I'm hearing a guy just now that's come out um, and 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 spoken openly. He's in a fucking place now where he can do that, and God bless you for doing it, buddy. Because it can't be easy, but you're in a place now you can do it. Would you say that there's been any tools or anything that you've used? No. Anybody else out there that are thinking apart from speaking to someone or opening up? Is there anything that you've done um, to, to try and get to you where you are today in respect to your battle? Yeah. Okay. I accepted it. 
I had to say that's good advice. Yeah, the 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 stigma the stigma that goes with mental health is appalling. It's I mean I know everybody wants to understanding it. The person dealing with it has to accept it. The people that are also dealing with it that are with that person have to understand it. My wife, my girl. The, the love of my life right now is dealing with many things. She is, uh, she is a sexual assault yeah, victim. Yeah. She's dealing with PTSD, bipolar behavior. And mm. I personally did not understand. I knew what I was going if through. You've not been in and I did not understand what she was going through. You're a listening ear and you understand the pain. No. Yeah. And then like the usual person, yeah. it's, man, just get up and do something. You know, if you get up, You'll feel better. What the fuck? That's like me asking a quadriplegic dude, shake my fucking hand. Just put it up there and shake it. He can't. He can't. And if you think that somebody has, that has sick, like a mental illness that is sick, because they're fucking sick. We are sick. If you think that that piece of advice, hey, just get up and do something, yeah. is going to help, you're crazy. Because you might be looking at a mole, like a little fucking yeah. little anthill. You just look at yeah, yeah, K2. yeah, absolutely. It's a I don't know how many times you've probably told as you were young, especially Rory growing up in Glasgow. We're passionate about this. Man, the fuck up, son. You know, put on your big boy pants yeah. and just get on with it. That's yeah. what you were told. You know, that's what you were told. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, see now, how... now it's not like that. Now open up. Fucking now talk. It's okay it's... to cry. Right. And, and and it's, it's it's it is yeah and it comes with understanding man acceptance and understanding yeah. from both parties because i understand that i don't know what the fuck she's dealing with man and she never knew what i was dealing with there was nobody for me to talk to i didn't know anybody else that had left tv and had fucking there was trying to make a living and keep his family alive i didn't and, and she understands mm-hmm. i don't know what she was going through and it took years and some of the worst times in my life yeah. to get through that and we're getting through it together we're not codependent you know i have my issues and she has hers and i accept that and i understand yeah, that and i love her for them even more than i would love her if she didn't have argument. them and she feels the same way we went through some shit yeah. because all you we did was bounce off each other yeah she, because she yeah no yeah, dude yeah. and it's what we all have to do if you somebody's dealing with that, yeah. you know, and you want to help them, the first yeah, thing you want to do is get clued in, man. Because if you, you can, yeah, I'm going to help this guy. Hey, dude, just fishing the sea. Mm. Hey, buddy, you got to get up, man. You're making fucking worse because now you're yeah. saying you got to get yeah, up, yeah, and they yeah, can't yeah, get absolutely. up. Ten times and almost like the only time you should look down on someone if you extend a hand to help them back up again. And only if people could think about that, you know. Watch yeah. your words. Watch what you say. You just don't know how that's going to impact someone. And they're the most painful. In their day. You don't know what they've been through. Right. Be kind. You know, help people. And and what you're saying about your good lady, love to her. You know, God love her. And for me, you know, because I can only imagine what she's going through. Wonderful. I can only imagine. You know, but listen, jeez, man. Paul, I have, I have read hundreds yeah. and hundreds of hours of clinical mm. studies on how to deal with if somebody is crying, dude, mm. just wipe their tear, man. Yeah. You don't have to say shit. Wipe their tear. Tell them a million things about you. Just reach down, man, and just give them a hug and wipe their tear. If you don't know what to say, if you're mm. not a medical professional, if you've never studied or learned what they're going through, 
just show them you care and that yeah. you are there. That is start yeah. number fucking one. And that's the start everything. Mm. And regardless of what you do in life, yeah. just be Absolutely. present. Buddy, that advice uh, throughout not only um, uh, the, the start of the podcast, but to where we are now, some of the advice for people um, that are... Um, in a journey, perhaps want to achieve something great in their life, why shouldn't you? Let's go for it. You've just heard it from the man's mouth that it's possible if you put mm-hmm. yourself out there and not just start the, the, the journey, uh, mental health battle, um, battling, um, whatever it is, uh, whether it be drink, drugs, you know, addictions, whatever it is, you can, you can seek help and some of your advice has been brilliant. What we'd like to ask you now for anybody out there listening to the Mindshift Experience podcast today, just before we wrap up for today, Rory, is to ask you um, to share your details, if possible, if anyone wants to look you up. Um, how do they go out doing it? Hey, it's nice and simple, man. Mm-hmm. Just uh, if you're on Facebook, just go to uh, Rory McAllister, M-C-A-L-I-C-R. See, could you say that you again? I think Apologies, say that again for me. Just Rory McAllister. You'll find me on there. Uh, it's M-C-A-L-I-S-T-E-R. I think the avatar picture is me sitting in the truck with my daughter. Um, you can find me there. Dude, I, I get a shit ton of stuff coming through. I do my best to answer all of it. I, I can't imagine what it's like for these top wrestling yeah. names, but I do what I can. But uh it needs anything, man, I'm always there, yeah. From the bottom of my Glaswegian heart, I want to thank you. Um, for your time today. Um, I have so much respect for you. I have more respect for you now um, with the conversation that we've just had. But at the end of every Mindshift um, podcast, um, I finish off with the old African proverb, which means so much to me, which is, if there is no enemy within, the enemy out with can do you no harm. If there is no enemy within, the enemy out there can do you no harm. Rory, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, my friend. Love to you and the family, and thank you for joining me today on the Mindship Podcast. 